Welcome to Mums in the Making. Storm's grappling with the realities of being a new mum. And Rachel is currently pregnant. And neither of us has a clue what we're doing. And it would appear that neither do any of you. This week on Mums in the Making, we share our holiday disasters. Um, two of the men were screaming, I was puking and the other pregnant lady was looking hella green and our toddlers were basically overboard. The mum squad are on hand with lots of helpful advice for travelling with little ones. A good one to do is get some post-it notes and just stick them on the um, on the chair in front of you and they enjoy peeling them off. Rachel has some serious worries about her pregnancy. You just have to live with that knowledge that you've done something by accident or on bad advice and it could have a completely irreparable impact. And we hear some terrifying parenting stories. I heard a little thump and a little cry and I ran through and Harrison's face down on the ground and I was absolutely beside myself. Aloha. Hello. How was the holiday? I would say it was more of a learning curve than a holiday. Um, first of all, yes, yes. <laughs> Just what everybody wants from their holiday. Life lessons. <laughs> I, I mean, I was expecting, oh God, it was wonderful. The weather was amazing. The food was amazing. Such great quality time with the family. But you went learning curve straight Rachel, away. That's what I was expecting too. But sometimes life throws you a curveball. <laughs> and you got to work with it. <laughs> So we went to Greece for a week. We went all-inclusive because we thought that would make things easier. We went to Crete because it was only a four-hour flight and we thought that was manageable. What we underestimated is how difficult it is to fly with a 10-month-old. Now, that would be difficult anyway, but our 10-month-old is teething at the moment Mm. and just learned to scream as well as enjoys pulling people's hair. Oh, he's found his voice. (laughs) He's found his voice, he's found his hands, um, <laughs> and he he now knows his power. That's oh. a dangerous place for a 10-month-old Definitely. So, and what were the interactions with the other passengers? If you were stressed, I can only imagine that the rest of the flight were more than stressed. <laughs> so we had two different experiences. On the way out, we were sat behind a woman who had a two-year-old and she was really sympathetic and she kept turning around and pulling faces at Otis whenever he was kicking off and actually that's a bit of advice I would just give to anyone if you are stuck in front of a kid that's kicking off the parent doesn't want them kicking off Mm. so the best thing you could do to help the parent is try and distract them kids don't know what to do with strangers so you're gonna absolutely throw them and that makes them quiet. So you're doing the rest mm. of the plane an absolute service. So she was doing that, which was amazing, playing peekaboo and all that through the gap in the chairs while her son was sleeping like an absolute angel. <laughs> Thank you, mystery lady with angel baby. <laughs> Wherever you are. <laughs> the woman next to us was really quiet and I thought, oh, she's she's not happy about this at all. And the weirdest thing happened, so... Kerr was walking up and down the aisle frantically trying to get Otis to to calm down. And to be fair, he wasn't screaming the whole time. He did fall asleep and he liked to be walked up and down the aisles and then he was quiet. But the woman turned around to me from the front and said, how are you? Because this is normally much worse for the parents, particularly the mum, than it is for anybody else on the flight. I said, I'm fine. 
but my husband is particularly sensitive to annoying other people. <laughs> like, he hates to be an inconvenience to anyone. It is his, like, Achilles heel. It'll just, he'll melt. So he is, his anxiety is at absolute maximum. He's up to high dough, oh. prancing up and down the aisle. And the woman sitting next to us on the three-seater turned round and said, well, he's really going to have to get used to that, having children. <laughs> this is very normal behaviour. And I just thought, oh, that was my interpretation of her rather than actually how she feels. She was mm. totally fine about it. She was, in fact, probably the most relaxed passenger on there. She just sat yeah. there, she ate her sandwich, she read her magazine. <laughs> she had a great flight. <laughs> Not her first rodeo. She has been on a flight with a <laughs> screaming child many a time. I got that, the impression that, she had some children of her own and she was yeah. delighted that this one wasn't hers. <laughs> yeah, she's just going into the zen zone of being like, ah, these days are over for me. <laughs> <laughs> I no longer have to do this when I fly. A million percent. But on the way back, we had a woman next to us that clearly just detested Otis. And, and weirdly, that kind of made it easier for me because I thought, well, good. You missed yeah. the whole sod. Yeah. Enjoy the screaming. Well, I love him. <laughs> We think he's an angel. Enjoy the screaming. At least you only have to put up with it for four hours. We've got it for a lifetime. So, yeah, so it was two different experiences on the flight, but neither of them were particularly pleasant and both of them were incredibly stressful. I should also note that we had snacks, we had toys, we had come prepared, but there is no preparation for out-and-out war, which is how it felt. I mean, that is such a shame. And I've seen these memes that circulate of parents who are super respectful and they pass around little sweetie bags saying oh my name is Otis and this is my first flight I may scream a little bit and you're like oh that's so considerate but you're still gonna get someone who's absolutely raging on that flight sick in this sick in the free sweeties you've given them just being like I friggin hate kids I'm so I'm so glad I never had any and it, and it is it is a tricky one because people go long haul with babies, you know, like, you know, to visit family back and forth from Australia and all sorts of places. And the the endurance test of that sort of flight is mind boggling. If, if four hours must have seemed like 10 to you. 100%. So a flight to Australia would have been a lifetime. I mean, I would have expected him to get off the flight and go to university. That's how long the flight would have felt. We're leaving you here. <laughs> You've emigrated. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, I mean, I can I can feel the stress in that situation. Funnily enough, Care and Sandy are opposite in that way. Sandy would be going, it's a baby. Babies cry. People need to deal with it. I would be sitting cowering like, is everyone okay? <laughs> Would you like to share my peanuts? Okay, no? <laughs> I'd be cowering. I'd be locking myself in the toilet. <laughs> like, oh no, that's not my baby. Yes, the tall man. He brought that child himself. <laughs> ah, yes, the old denying your child trick. Well, I bet there's a few of us wishing we'd thought of that one. Delighted to know, though, it's not just me struggling to go abroad with my little one. Here are a few of your stories, and we'll start with Sheila. When I was 17 weeks pregnant with my second pregnancy, my husband, toddler, and I drove from Edinburgh to Cornwall. And um, we were staying with a couple and their toddler. 
and um, two of us were pregnant. And um, the guy we were staying with wanted to put on little trips for us so that we would enjoy ourselves. So he did like foraging on the beach with a, a forager and a mackerel fishing trip. So we got on the boat for the mackerel fishing trip and um, it was really choppy and we went really far offshore. So dangerous, we were restraining the toddler constantly. Awful. And the other toddler just turned and vomited in her dad's face. And then I saw the vomit and I vomited over the side of the boat. And that would have been that, but then working. That would have been that, but then um, my vomit floated and a seagull landed on it and started eating it, which made me vomit again, which is just so feral. And my the third couple that were there, our friend, the male, was very scared of birds and he started screaming. And so um, two of the men were screaming, I was puking and the other pregnant lady was looking hella green and our toddlers were basically overboard. And at that point, the captain turned back <laughs> and we caught no mackerel. And here's Brendan's tale. My wife worked for a football team and uh, they were going on tour of Australia for uh, about three weeks. Um, but we had a one-year-old, we decided, okay, look, this time, this one time we'll do it, we'll all go. So um, she went with the team, <laughs> flew first class, and I went with uh, the one-year-old. Um, three weeks in Australia, and on the way back, um, we're coming out of Melbourne, and because the way the, the way the world turns, it's 16 hours to Abu Dhabi, the first flight. Uh, so got on it, and uh, they put us in front of the flight again. And this time I was sat beside a lady with an eight-month-old child. Um, and between the two of them, they just they just kept knocking. Like anytime one would get settled, the other would start crying and would wake the other up. It was just awful. So I took a view and said, okay, right, I can make her sleep with the baby born. So I stood up with her and rocked her in the baby born. And I stood for the, like, oh God, it must have been, like, like, all the things considered, about 10 hours in that flight. And it broke me. Brendan, that would have broken the best of us. But if you do have to travel with your babies, here are some lovely mums with some helpful advice. Hello, it's Marla. Just calling in to give you some advice about travelling with children. Um, when you're travelling with babies that are still on formula, what I would do, my top tip, is to make sure that you order the milk from Boots beforehand if you want some ready-made milk. And then as you get through customs, you can then pick it up. So it's easier, you don't have to go through customs with your milk. But if you've got any milk that's ready-made, um, then they just run it through this scanner and it's fine. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. Also, with formula milk, do not, um, do not take a box of formula milk and put it just like that in your luggage. Always wrap it up because it can burst with the pressure or get the formula milk that's in tablets and then it's much easier because one tablet equals one scoop. So it's much easier when you're abroad that you can feed your child that way. Um, just remembered as well, a bottle for landing and takeoff because as they suck the bottle, it can help their ears when they're traveling. So that helps a lot. If you've got a toddler or a child that's of an age where they want to pick and play at things, a good one to do is get some post-it notes and just stick them on the, um, on the chair in front of you and they enjoy peeling them off. Uh, get some stickers, any like little toys they can play with and occupy themselves is always a good idea. Best of luck. My top tip for traveling with babies is Milton sterilizing tablets in the sink um, of the room or hotel that you're staying in 
because you can use those with cold water. Um, I found them those brilliant, just left the bottles in overnight or when we were, were out for the day. Um, and also, top tip, cool your bottles down in the swimming pool. That works a treat. Hi, I'm Fahima Mohammed and I have two boys. So I would say apart from the essential things that people think about, uh, which may come in handy, you would be um, sort of photocopies of uh, any prescription uh, with a baby medical kit, extra sort of zip bags for any soiled or wet clothes or nappies that you know you may be having to experience on a long sort of journey a flashlight because if you're going to change them in the night when all the lights are off especially on the plane and even baby proofing your own phone so that they would you know usually even if they're under two will be using your phone as you know as a sort of a gadget to play with so that's also quite essential and people don't think that when they're going to the other side that the other accommodation may not be baby proof so certain things especially if they're crawling and just toddlers starting to walk um, that could also be very handy as well So the traveling was interesting and then we went all inclusive because I thought um well there'll be someone there to do everything for us there is restaurants literally at our front door the pool is outside our room so everything is just at arm's length which is what you need when you've got a tiny one with you what I didn't really think about was the fact that in an all inclusive you tend to have to go for your meals to restaurants so that's breakfast, lunch and dinner, sitting with your family, however that is made up, and eating a meal together. Now, ordinarily, that sounds lovely. Yeah, um, that's that's a reason for many people's holidays. Not when you have a psychopathic 10-month-old with you. No, <laughs> no, nobody likes that. Least of all the parents. Just people wearing their, like, um, savlaki <laughs> across the restaurant, just splattered with uh, delicious Greek food. A million percent. I swear they were turning around just checking we hadn't given them a slingshot. <laughs> so everyone in the restaurant at that point is baby-led weaning, <laughs> whether they like it or not. <laughs> so there was food everywhere. Then we got out Miss Rachel. Now, Miss Rachel is someone that you will become acquainted with uh, once the baby comes along. And you will say to yourself, no, no, I'm not going to be the kind of mother that puts an iPad in front of my child. I'm not. That's not going to be me. And even as I say this, I know you're thinking, this is funny, but it really isn't going to be me. I, I'm going to do it another, another way. No, no, well, I mean, <laughs> you won't. You it's won't. Funny, it's funny because I'm already saying that and I already know that I will be that parent. <laughs> So the iPod was coming out. The iPod was coming out. But that was only making him worse because he wanted to touch Miss Rachel in the iPod. And so he was touching her and then she was disappearing and that was making him scream. Anyway, we could clear out a restaurant. I'm actually going to send you now a video so you can watch and really witness firsthand what we were experiencing while we were away. This was Otis during dinner time, most dinner times. (laughs) Um, here you go. Enjoy this <laughs> uh, oaty goodness. 
And I want to make clear for the listeners that Storm's referring to an iPad rather than an iPod, which oh, is a, which is a, a naughty piece of equipment. Yes, <laughs> she, does, she doesn't just have a turbocharged <laughs> retro piece of uh, audio gear. It is an actual up-to-date iPad. How much have I just shown my age there? <laughs> so I was sitting with my Nano. <laughs> my Walkman. It's really handy. Mobile. No. Oh wow, he is—he's is frantic. You can tell. <laughs> Kara's just looking at him like, "When will this stop?" <laughs> Sorry, there's absolutely no one left in that restaurant, and his screams. The thing is, the the expression on his face. Obviously, the screaming is annoying. I mean, I love your son, but if you were sitting in that restaurant. You would be annoyed. And as a parent, I can understand why you'd be annoyed. But when you watch the video, you can see the blind frustration with every squeal. And whether that's coming from pain from teething or just not having a friggin' clue what is going on, which is probable as well in a different country and things, out of his routine. And there's a look that comes over his face that's like... Demonic. What's happening? Yes, it's slightly demonic. (laughs) Were there any Grecian exorcists available? <laughs> they all left the restaurant too. <laughs> they heard it and they were like, nope. <laughs> Even that's too big a job. Too big a job. And it turns out the screaming is quite natural. But if you are, like me, a horrified mum facing the same fate at the moment, don't fear because Dr Sarah Mundy is on hand to explain why. Your question was about babies screaming to get what they want and particularly when they don't get what they want and whether this was normal. Absolutely, and I think it happens for babies, children and sometimes adults. It's interesting really how we cry when we're upset about something but we are more likely to be frustrated or screamy or shouty when we don't get what we want and this is uh, something I still do today. Maybe not high-pitched screams but more of a grunt or a shout or as I'm able to express in words what I want. But one of the reasons babies and toddlers don't use those words is because they don't have them or perhaps they haven't quite worked out uh, how to express in another way that they would like something more driven by their feelings than their thoughts. So as we get older, we learn to express things in different ways and therefore the screaming is more likely to subside. But yes, absolutely normal, even if it's highly annoying. (laughs) I hope that makes sense. That said, there was some beautiful moments. We were swimming with him and uh, he was, you know, diving into the water and Kerr's been doing swim class with him. So they were practising little routines that they had from there. And it was just absolutely gorgeous and sitting on the sun lounger with him and playing with, like, these little floaty ball things that he's got. And all of those moments were just gorgeous and I I will remember them forever. And... Just talking about sun loungers, there was an incident. Oh. Yeah, and I've actually debated (laughs) for a week whether to share this with you because it is my lowest ebb in parenting. So Ken and I went down by the pool. We'd set two sun loungers up together because then Otis can sit in the middle of them. They had these lovely big cushions on them. Otis can sit in the middle of them and we can sit either side and he's safe. Perfect. So we get the sun loungers. Kerr pushes them together. We put the towels over the top. Kerr then goes to get us some water. While Kerr's away, 
It's all inclusive, right? So the queues are huge. So he's away for a while. Mm. I'm sitting on the side of the sun lounger. Otis is in the middle. I realise we don't have any toys. He's getting a bit fussy. So I turn around to the side of the uh, sun lounger and just a step away is where our bag is. So I step to get the toy, lean down to get the toy. As I lean down, gone. He had lunged after me. The only time he'd lunged for me the whole holiday and had fallen off the sun lounger. Oh, onto what? To concrete. The least good thing to land on. So everything in my body sort of went into, I don't know, survival mode. I scooped him up. I just held him as close as I could. I didn't know what to do. I I was kind of scared to look at him in case there was a big gash in his face. And I thought, how could I be so stupid? And then I'm looking at the sunlander thinking, how did you move so fast? So that's when I realised Otis has two speeds. He has a normal sort of speed that he uses when I'm looking at him. And then he has absolutely rapid when I blink too long or turn away for a second. (laughs) So he's lunged, he's fallen, he's now crying unconsolably. Nobody has, sorry, we're at the pool so everybody can look on, but because of the way that we had the buggy and where the umbrella was, you couldn't really see what had happened. So all they heard was this God almighty scream from my son, me then holding him. And then this woman came over thinking she was being helpful and said, "Can can I get you some ice? Thinking, oh my god, do you think he needs ice? This is the this is the worst moment of my life. So I said no, trying to really downplay what had happened and how I was feeling, and just ran to care who was still in the queue and handed over my son because I was obviously an incompetent mother at this point. Aww. Anyway, long story short, I spent the rest of the night googling what happens if your your child falls off a sun lounger because obviously that's a Google <laughs> such such a niche <laughs> niche search. Yeah. Turns out... Sunlander to concrete. What's the injury level? Turns out this happens quite a lot. Very, yeah, very common. So normally falling off of sofas, falling off of changing tables, falling off sunloungers, falling off of beds. But when your child becomes mobile, they develop so quickly that it takes quite a lot of time for you to catch up with, with how fast mm. that they're moving now. And, um, and yeah, just... A shout out to any other mother that's experienced it and the level of guilt that comes along with it. Not a scratch on him, not even a bruise. Tiny red mark mm-hmm. after the incident, but didn't appear to be anything at all. I monitored him like a hawk for any signs of concussion. Of course I did. It said for 24 hours. I was there for like 48 the rest of the holiday, just making sure. The screaming was happening before the fall as well, by the way, so that wasn't... <laughs> Wasn't a personality change. No, no one came to his aid when he fell off the sun lounger because of aforementioned screaming. No, but it, but like you say, these things happen all the time, and he won't remember falling off the sun lounger, but you'll remember it. Well, certainly forever. not. The memory had been knocked right out of him. <laughs> I mean, if it makes you feel any better, I nearly drowned on holiday when I was two. So similar situation in that when your kid gets very active and mobile as you say and there's only one of them by the time you've had like two three four you're more used to how mental kids can be but my parents were staying in a resort that had a glass partition that separated the indoor pool and the bar and one of them was on the side of the bar picking up towels and they were communicating through this soundproof piece of glass 
So one's on the other side of the pool with me. Mm-hmm. And as they're mouthing things to each other, have you got towels? Have you got this? Have you got that? One of them goes, where's Rachel? <gasps> and that, and people start running up to them and saying, don't worry, we've got her. She's fine. She's fine. She's over here. And I had just gone, do, 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 plop, sank to the bottom of the pool. You're kidding. While, the, <laughs> while they were talking to each other through the partition. And they still talk about it to this day. And my dad still cries every single time because when they brought me out of the water and the people were helping me and they gave me back to mum and dad, I said, oh, mummy and daddy, I was trying to scream for you, but my mouth kept filling up with water. Oh, no. <laughs> and like, apparently they both looked at each other and just burst into tears because it these things, whatever it is, however minor, the sun lounger or a kid wandering off in a public place or sinking to the bottom of a swimming pool. It always happens in that three seconds where you turn your head and say something to someone or you're, you know, you click the kettle on or whatever it is. And it happens to every single parent. That doesn't make you feel any less guilty. But I feel like over time, the more of these things happen, the more you realise it's not anything to do with your parenting. And it's just parenting these things. Yeah, and I think actually just listening to your story as well, I'm like, I am quite glad in a way this sounds really extreme, but he he fell off the sun lounger onto concrete. Hellish experience, not something any parent would wish for, but it happened. It scared the living shit out of me. I realised how unpredictable he was. He he came out it completely unscathed, and. But now I have it in my mind that I can't, you just cannot lose focus of where that child is. Just a hand on the arm, hand on the leg, whatever it is, you need some sort of contact with that child. So, but yeah, I just thought I'd share that with you because we're doing a podcast about becoming a mum and this is just something that that a lot of people experience. And just to prove that point, here is Kirsty with her story. Hey, I hope you're good. Um, it was just a little one to pass on my Harrison story of when he was four days old. So when our little boy Harrison was four days old, we had him home from the hospital, um, not very long obviously, and I was breastfeeding him and looked down and he was all covered in blood. I was having a bit of trouble breastfeeding and when I was feeding, my nipples were starting to bleed. So it was four o'clock in the morning, so it was pretty dark. Um, and I, I unlatched him, put him on the bed and said to my husband, um, Harrison's there, can you can you wake up? And I thought I'd woke him up, but as I was in the bathroom, I heard a little thump and a little cry and I ran through and Harrison was face down on the ground and I was absolutely beside myself. So we rushed him to A&E, um, told him told the 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 staff that he'd rolled off the bed which we didn't realize obviously at the time looking back a four-day-old baby can't roll so we naturally went through the safeguarding process Um, and it transpired that actually dave hadn't really woke up and he'd pulled the duvet cover and rolled little harrison off onto the carpet thankfully he was fine um we were both hugely sleep deprived. I think anyone as a first time parent, as a four day old will understand. Um, but yeah, and it was Mother's Day. So that was my first Mother's Day. Mother's Day I'll never forget. Mother's Day that always makes us laugh going forward as well to look back on. My son fell off my bed when he was about eight weeks old 
um, I didn't realise he could sit up basically by then. So I put him on the bed on like a, a cushion, a feeding cushion, I went into the bathroom and then walked back in and I just watched him lift his head and sort of just turn and then just fell onto the floor. But it was crazy how he was absolutely fine. Um, and he missed the bedside table. He held his head quite well. He was, he was absolutely fine. I was screaming, crying. Rang my sister as I always do. And she said, it happens. Everybody I know that has a baby, either they fall off the bed, fall off the sofa. Um, somebody I knew fell down the stairs with the baby in her arms. Susie did get cut off there, but hopefully all of those babies are absolutely fine too. Okay, I'm hoping we can now just let go of that guilt and get on with the podcast. How's things with you? How's the carpal tunnel? It's sore. It's very, very sore. But I remain upbeat. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm just powering through now. Although I did have my own guilt in the last couple of weeks because I feel like no matter how much I feel like I'm making a huge effort to be a good vessel for the fetus, you know, be a good pregnant person uh, by avoiding drinking too much caffeine and obviously avoiding drinking and smoking and these things, I have accidentally slipped up or made mistakes, which I now am stewing over. And... I, I don't know whether to call it an oops or an oh shit what do I do now moment but I went to uh, a really great event recently and it was fantastic I had a wonderful day but there was some juice there that I had and I didn't ask if it was pregnancy safe and it turns out it had loads of caffeine in it I was really ill for 12 hours and that was an innocent mistake, but Sandy was obviously like, well, you need to check everything. We check oh, everything no. that we eat at home. So why wouldn't you check? Why would you drink it? What if it had alcohol in it or whatever? Um, well, that's difficult, isn't it? Because you would be able to taste if it had alcohol in it. Yeah. You would be highly suspicious. But caffeine doesn't really get labelled. Yeah, and also I'm hypersensitive to most things during pregnancy, as we know. Mm. <laughs> the baby hates everything. So part of me, I feel like I felt, oh, something's obviously disagreed with me, was my first initial thought. And then when he said, did you check it was safe? And I googled it and it said, not suitable. I was like, shit. Like, what are the chances that a jug of juice is going to have something in it that's, that's bad for you? And then, so that was one strike. <laughs> and oh, then, Rachel. yeah, I know. And then two weeks later, I'm still proving I'm a good vessel. <laughs> like, I'm trying so hard. Yes, I'll take double the iron tablets. And then I went into a pharmacy and I said, do you have anything for this carpal tunnel? It's really bothering me. I have it in pregnancy. And they said, well, heat helps. I said, okay, what about deep heat? Or these recommended deep heat at the pharmacy. And I said, okay, great. Is it pregnancy safe? Yes. I looked at the box and it said, consult your doctor. And I said, it says here, consult your doctor. <laughs> Are you sure it's pregnancy safe? Mm -hmm. And the girl said, 
Yeah, I'll double check with the pharmacist. Went through, came back, said, yeah, yeah, it'll be totally fine. Slathering on that deep heat later on. I'm like, yes, let it sting. And it really helped with the symptoms. So slathering on your arm? On my arm, yeah. All over the arm. So Sandy's rubbing it in and I'm like, yes, this is great. It, you know, burns my arm and I'm thinking this is fantastic. The pain is relieved. And then I went to put it on again last night and for whatever reason, I think he looked at his, he had a bottle and it said it wasn't pregnancy safe. And I said, oh, well, the pharmacist said the stuff that she sold me was fine. And then we Googled it and it's like, do not use like all over the internet all over like not even just like webmd or or these sort of you know surplus to requirement (laughs) sites but on nhs and everything it said do not use deep heat when pregnant it can cause fetal abnormalities and i was like it's done now (laughs) do you know what i mean that is like on on if it has caused anything if it has done anything, that is completely unreversible now. So that is why I'm saying, <laughs> is it an oh shit moment? Because there's really no coming back from that. You just have to live with that knowledge that you've done something by accident or on bad advice. Mm. And it could have a completely irreparable impact on And the baby. whole time I was pregnant... I mean, I didn't have carpal tunnel and I didn't have any issues that would have needed it. But at no point while I was pregnant did anybody say anything about deep heat. So I think this might be one for our midwife, Carla. Oh, Rachel, I'm so sorry that you've been really worried about this. Please, please don't worry. If you've used something like deep heat once or twice in your pregnancy, the likelihood of it having any impact on your baby is so, so small. With deep heat, it contains something that belongs to the anti-inflammatory family of medication, so things like ibuprofen. Then we know later on in pregnancy, if you take ibuprofen, for example, for a long period, so over days and days and days, it can cause problems for your baby. Things like an increased chance of having less fluid around your baby, or sometimes problems with their heart and kidneys. But this risk is very, very small and it's something that would happen if you'd had a prolonged use. If you did have that later in pregnancy and you let your midwife or your consultant know, we would certainly offer you extra scans, extra monitoring to ensure that everything's okay and to support you. But using something once or twice, please don't worry, it's very, very unlikely to have any impact. So I do hope that that reassures you and reassures everyone. And if you are concerned, speak to your midwife, your GP or your consultant and we'll be able to provide that support for you. And and much like falling out of the sun lounger, accidents are going to happen and you're not going to be a perfect mum. Nobody is a perfect mum. Yeah. You just have to put your hands up when mistakes are made and when you know better, you do better. Yeah. And also, I mean, she really helped me out with the caffeinated drinks because there's a lot of projectile vomit. So <laughs> she, she sorted that one out herself. She's like, ma, <laughs> I've got this. You're, you're letting the side down here. You're letting stand and slip. Let me take over. I will perform this exorcism for you. (laughs) The deep beat, she was less able to, but she was much more active that night because she has been booting me a lot. It feels like there is a small mermaid or some kind of aquatic animal living in my stomach just now. And when I was lying in one of my early baths, I kept 
a bath in the morning now at like 6am and to ease my arm and I saw her move from the outside of my body Amazing. for the first time. Yes. And I was like, there's a little mermaid in there because <laughs> I was like, I'd been stewing for about an hour at that point and suddenly it just went boom. <laughs> and I was thinking, ah, you're now at peace. You're in the water. So that was a, a nice feeling. But have I managed to show Sandy or prove to anyone that this happened? Nah. <laughs> she goes so very Sandy still. still hasn't felt her kick? No. And she, I thought I could feel her from the outside. But Sandy's like, no, I think she's just kicking you really hard on the inside. And you're confusing things. He absolutely will. And you will see it move more and more and more from the outside. And I, I really loved that. I absolutely adored it. What's very annoying is that it, the babies weirdly are camera shy. So you'll see it move. You'll get your phone out to film it so you can keep it forever. And you'll put the camera and you've got this perfect angle and you'll wait and you'll wait <laughs> and you'll wait. And you'll wait so long that your hands will go numb and get that pins and needles feeling. And you'll wait. And the little bastard won't move an inch. It's like she's already trying to put me on the bloody tail. <laughs> Give it a rest, mum. <laughs> but it, but but it'll happen, and then later on in the pregnancy, you'll both feel it, and you'll both be able to see it, and it'll be absolutely gorgeous. Um, is there anything else been going on this week while I've not been seeing you? Uh, I went camping. Oh, which, how was that? Yeah, it was great. It was just for one night, but the weather here has likely rivaled Crete in some ways <laughs> in a Scottish way as it can it's been really sunny and I went with two pals and one of their daughters Sky and we went and played a lot of Monopoly Deal and best game ever by the way we played it so much in, in uh, Crete wandered about and obviously I was asleep by half past nine but I still felt like I was on some form of holiday I was my eyes were sort of drooping as the girls were still chatting and I was like stay awake for as long as possible um but I managed through the night it was quite chilly in it overnight but actually when you said you went camping I was like was pregnancy and carpool tunnel just not enough to deal with well you actually decided to deal with the Scottish elements too (laughs) The weird thing is that for that whole day and the whole trip, I kind of forgot that I was pregnant for a while because we had to carry loads of stuff and we had to set up and we had to do, we were being very active all the time. We're constantly doing something. And then I slept on a rapidly sinking inflatable air mattress, which I think actually was quite good for the carpal tunnel because I wasn't lying directly on my arm. Um, so it was just lovely to have a breakaway and have a day where my world wasn't surrounding around work and whether I was feeling well enough to <laughs> go to work. It was just nice to have a day in the sun. Oh, that sounds lovely. I mean, it doesn't make me want to go camping at all. Just 
I'm sure it was lovely for you. I'm glad you had a great time. I mean, Sandy packed. Sandy was micromanaging my packing, as you can imagine. So he was like, you'll need this, you'll need this. This is a special towel. And this and this and this. <laughs> I'm like, okay. He's like, in this compartment, you can unlock this and then use it as a side bag. And I'm like, my brain is exploding. I don't understand this. And then as he was, as he was dropping me off, with like laden now with all of these, this stuff and this magic bag he's given me, I was like, oh, maybe we could go camping one day. He's like, nope, hate it. We're not do it. <laughs> Only do it at festivals. I was like, but you're so good at it. He's like, don't care. It was my idea of hell. Sandy so. and I are the same person, <laughs> hyper-organized. That whole setting the the rucksack up and being like, right, and this, this folds here and this does this and this compartment's for this. And if you just leave that compartment clean, then you can put all your stuff in there and, that's, and all that. And then Carol will just turn around to me and go, so... How do you open it? (laughs) Oh, God. How are you going to survive? Because my thing is that classic me is pack and then go, God, I forgot pajamas, toothbrush, passport, whatever. And then when I'm unpacking at the end of the holiday, go, oh, I did. I did have all those things. I just (laughs) put them in like secret pockets or at the bottom and then completely forgotten about them so when someone else is yelling at you where the new pockets are it's quite disorienting yeah i'm like okay (laughs) memorizing which compartment is which Uh, well it sounds like you've had actually quite a lovely week and Mm -hmm. uh, despite my moans and the stresses I have to say that, uh, you know, I'm glad that we went on the holiday and I'm glad that we had the learning curve and I'm glad that we had all the really special moments as well. So um, we both had a lovely week. Fingers crossed we have a nice one this coming week. Yeah, still sunny in Scotland. Still sunny. <laughs> come have a holiday well. Come <laughs> have a holiday at home if you want. <laughs> Just pop up the road. We'll go camping. <laughs> you can do the bag. I'll pass. <laughs> See you. Bye. Well, that's all we've got time for for this week's podcast. Join us next week when we'll talk moving house, birthing plans and baby teeth. If you want to get involved in the podcast and be part of our mum's squad, then follow me on Instagram at Storm Huntley and send us a voice note. Until next week, it's bye for now.